Preface and Chapters 1 through 3 of California. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adam Marcetich, Alexandria, Virginia, July 2010. California by J. Turwitt Brooks. Preface the accompanying diary some interesting circumstances connected with which will be found in a letter given at the end of the present volume was sent home by the author merely for the entertainment of the members of his own family and a few private friends it has been submitted to the public in the hope that as an authentic record of a variety of interesting particulars connected with the original discovery and present condition of the gold districts of california it will not fail to prove acceptable london eighteen forty nine end of preface chapter one clearing the faranoles making the entrance to the bay of san francisco the passage through the strait the appearance of the bay town of san francisco the anchor is let go the author goes on shore. His bad luck. Sweeting's Hotel. The author and Mr. Malcolm propose visiting the American settlements. They become acquainted with Captain Folsom and Mr. Bradley. Object of the author's visit to California. Mr. McPhail leaves for Sonoma. The houses of San Francisco and their inhabitants. Native California. Senoritas and Cigarettos. I felt heartily glad to hear that we were then clearing the Farinoles, and soon hurried up on deck, but we continued beating about for several hours before we made the entrance to the Bay of San Francisco. At length, however, we worked our way in between the two high bluffs, and along a strait a couple of miles wide, and nearly five miles long, flanked on either side with bold broken hills, passing on our right hand the rickety-looking fortifications erected by the Spaniards for the defense of the passage, but over which the Yankee stars and stripes were now floating. On leaving the strait, we found ourselves on a broad sheet of rippling water, looking like a great inland lake, hemmed in on all sides by lofty hills on which innumerable herds of cattle and horses were grazing, with green islands and clusters of rock rising up here and there, and a little fleet of ships riding at anchor. On our right was the town of San Francisco. I had suffered so much from the voyage that when the anchor was let go, I felt no inclination to hurry on shore. MacPhail and Malcolm, however, went off, but promised to return to the ship that night. I soon after turned into my hammock, and, thanks to the stillness of the water in which we rode, slept soundly till morning. April 29th. This morning we all rose early, and went on shore. The little baggage we had we took in the boat. Malcolm told me that he had heard the war was over between the United States and Mexico, and I bitterly congratulated myself on experiencing my usual run of bad luck. We made our way to Sweeting's Hotel, which Malcolm and MacPhail had visited yesterday. 
and stated to be the best of the three hotels which have sprung up here since the americans became masters of the place malcolm intends making an excursion to the interior he proposes to visit the american settlements and to satisfy himself as to the reputed advantages which california presents as an agricultural country i have agreed to accompany him we have fallen in with two very pleasant american gentlemen at our hotel to-day one a captain Folsom, holding some appointment under government here the other a young friend of his named bradley we had some conversation together on the subject of the mexican war in the course of which i learnt that mr bradley has been a resident in california for the last eight years and that he was one of the officers of the volunteer corps attached to the army of the united states while military operations were going on in this country i told him of my desire to enter as a surgeon in the service of the states and he promised to speak to captain Folsom on the subject and obtain from him a letter to Colonel Mason, the new governor, but he is afraid there is little chance of my meeting with success, as nearly all the volunteer corps have been, or are about to be, disbanded. Both Mr. Bradley and Captain Folsom speak very favorably of the climate and soil of California, and say that an enterprising agriculturist is sure to make a speedy fortune. Mr. Bradley, who has agreed to accompany us on our trip, strongly advises Malcolm to shift his quarters from Oregon and settle here, saying that he is sure my friend will do so when he has once seen the farms in the Sacramento Valley, whither we are to start early next week. MacPhail left us today to make a trip to Sonoma. San Francisco, although as yet but a poor place, will no doubt become a great emporium of commerce. The population may be about a couple of thousands, but these two-thirds are Americans. The houses, with the exception of some few wooden ones which have been shipped over here by the Americans, are nearly all built of unburnt bricks. The appearance of the native Californian is quite Spanish. The men wear high steeple-like hats, jackets of gaudy colors, and breeches of velvet, generally cotton. They are a handsome, swarthy race. The best part of the faces of the women are their eyes, which are black and very lustrous. The Californian bells, I am sorry to say, spoil their teeth by smoking cigarettos. End of chapter 1 Chapter 2 Start for Monterey Horse Equipments in California The Advantages of Them Rifles and Ruffians Californian Scenery Immense Herds of Cattle Mission of Santa Clara Pueblo of San Jose A Californian Farmhouse What It Is Like Inside and Out Prolific Crops of Wheat Saddle Sickness the journey is resumed. Mission of San Jose. Arrival at Monterey. The author's visit to Colonel Mason. Surgeons not wanted in California. Rumors of gold being found on the Sacramento.
characteristics of monterey don luis palo and his sisters what all californian dinners consist of the party returned to san francisco monterey may fourth started off early on the morning of the second on our journey to monterey we found our horses in readiness in the hotel yard in charge of a servant here called a vaquero of mr bradley's the latter having business to transact at monterey accompanied us my horse was equipped after the spanish fashion with the usual high-pommeled cumbrous saddle with a great show of useless trappings and clumsy wooden stirrups and for a long time i found the riding sufficiently disagreeable though doubtless far more pleasant than a coast journey would have been with a repetition of the deadly sea-sickness from which i had already suffered so much i soon found out too the advantages of the spanish saddle as enabling one to keep one seat when travelling over through broken country through which our road ran bradley had told us to have our rifles in readiness as no one travels any distance here without that very necessary protection the mountains near the coast being infested with lawless gangs of ruffians who lie in wait for solitary travellers the first part of our ride lay through a dense thicket of underwood and afterwards across parched up valleys and over low sandy hills then past large grazing grounds where cattle might be counted by the thousand and numerous ranchos or farms the white farm buildings surrounded by little garden patches scattered over the hillsides we at length came to an extensive plain with groups of oaks spread over its surface and soon afterwards reached the neglected mission of santa clara where we halted for a few hours on leaving here our road was over a raised causeway some two or three miles in length beneath an avenue of shady trees which extended as far as the outskirts of the town of san jose this town or pueblo as it is called is nothing more than a mass of ill-arranged and ill-built houses with an ugly church and a broad plaza peopled by three or four hundred inhabitants not being used to long journeys on horseback i felt disposed to stop here for the night but bradley urged us to proceed a few miles farther where we could take up our quarters at a rancho belonging to a friend of his accordingly we pushed on and after a ride of about seven miles diverged from the main road and soon reached the farmhouse where we were well entertained and had a good night's rest like the generality of houses in california this was only one story high and was built of piles driven into the ground interlaced with boughs and sticks and then plastered over with mud and whitewashed the better class of farmhouses are built of adobes or unburnt bricks and tiled over the interior was as plain and cheerless as it well could be the floor was formed of the soil beaten down till it was as firm and hard as a piece of stone the room set apart for our sleeping accommodation boasted as its sole ornaments 
a Dutch clock, and a few gaudily colored prints of saints hung round the walls. The beds were not over-comfortable, but we were too tired to be nice. In the morning I took a survey of the exterior, and saw but few cattle stalled in the sheds around the house. The greater part, it seems, after being branded, are suffered to run loose over the neighboring pastures. There was a well-cultivated garden in the rear of the house, with abundance of fruit trees and vegetables. While we were at breakfast, Malcolm asked our host several questions about his crops, and soon found that he was no practical agriculturist. He had, however, at Bradley's suggestion, discarded the native wooden plow for the more effective American implement. He told us that he calculated his crop of wheat this year would yield a hundred fenegas for every one sown, and on our expressing our surprise at such a bountiful return, said that sixty or over was the usual average. If so, the soil must be somewhat wonderful. After expressing our thanks for the hospitality shown us to the wife of our host, who was a very pretty little dark-eyed woman, with a most winning way about her, we started off to resume our journey. For my own part, I felt very loath to proceed, for I was terribly fatigued by my performance of yesterday, and suffered not a little from that disagreeable malady called saddle-sickness. Our Californian accompanied us some short distance on our road, which lay for many miles through a wide valley, watered by a considerable stream, and overgrown with oaks and sycamores. Low hills rose on either hand, covered with dark ridges of lofty pine trees, up which herds of elk and deer were every now and then seen scampering. We at length entered upon a narrow road through a range of green sheltering hills, and, passing the mission of San Juan, crossed a wide plain and ascended the mountain ridge, which lay between us and Monterey, where we arrived late in the day. Next morning Mr. Bradley accompanied me to the governor's house, where we saw Colonel Mason, the new governor of the state. He received us with great politeness, but said that the war, if war it deserved to be called, was now at an end, that but a small number of troops were stationed in the country, and that there was no vacancy for a surgeon. Indeed, he said, considering that we have given up the head-breaking, and the climate is proverbially healthy, California is hardly the place for doctors to settle in. Besides, said he, the native Californians all use the temescal, a sort of air-bath, as a remedy for every disorder. Colonel Mason then asked Mr. Bradley if he had heard the reports of gold having been found on the Sacramento, as Mr. Folsom had casually mentioned in a letter to him that such rumors were prevalent at San Francisco. Bradley replied that he had heard something about it, but believed that there was no truth in the matter, although a few fools had indeed rushed off to the reputed gold mines forthwith. With this, our interview terminated. Monterey seems to be a rising town. 
the american style of houses is superseding the old mud structures and numbers of new buildings are being run up every month the hotel we stopped at has only been recently opened by an american monterey is moreover a port of some importance if one may judge from the number of vessels lying at anchor may seventh on friday we dined at the house of don luis paulo a Californian gentleman of agreeable manners, whose father held office here under the Spanish government previous to the Mexican Revolution. I believe it is Don Luis's intention shortly to return to Spain. He is unmarried, and his two sisters are the handsomest women I have yet seen in this country. Their beauty is quite of the Spanish style. A dinner in California seems to be always the same first soup and then beef, dressed in various ways and seasoned with chilies, fowls, rice, and beans, with a full allowance of pepper and garlic to each dish. On Saturday, we set out on our return, and after two days' hard riding, reached San Francisco today at 4 p.m. End of Chapter 2 Chapter 3 an arrival at San Francisco from the Gold District. Captain Folsom intends visiting the mine. The first alcade and others examine the gold. Parties made up for the diggings. Newspaper reports. The government officers propose taking possession of the mine. The author and his friends decide to visit the Sacramento Valley. A horse is bought. Increase of the gold excitement. Work people strike work and prepare to move off. Lawyers, shopkeepers, and others follow their example. The author's journey delayed. Ten dollars a day for a Negro waiter. Waiting for a saddler. Don Luis Paulo arrives from Monterey on his way to the mines. The report of the government taking possession of the mines contradicted. Desertion of part of the Monterey garrison. Rumored extent of the mines. The author and his friends agree to go in company. Return of MacPhail. Preparations for the journey. Gone to the diggings. May 8th. Captain Folsom called at Sweeting's today. He had seen a man this morning who reported that he had just come from a river called the American Fork, about 100 miles in the interior, where he had been gold washing. Captain Folsom saw the gold he had with him. It was about 23 ounces weight and in small flakes. The man stated that he was eight days getting it, but Captain Folsom hardly believed this. He says that he saw some of the gold a few weeks since, and thought it was only mica, but good judges have pronounced it to be genuine metal. He talks, however, of paying a visit to the place where it is reported to come from. After he was gone, Bradley stated that the Sacramento settlements, which Malcolm wished to visit, were in the neighborhood of the American Fork, and that we might go there together. He thought the distance was only 120 miles. 
May 10th. Yesterday and today, nothing has been talked of but the new gold placer, as people call it. It seems that four other men had accompanied the person Captain Folsom saw yesterday, and that they had each realized a large quantity of gold. They left the diggings on the American Fork, which it seems is the Rio de los Americanos, a tributary to the Sacramento, about a week ago, and stopped a day or two at Sutter's Fort, a few miles this side of the diggings, on their way. From there they had traveled by boat to San Francisco. The gold they brought has been examined by the first alcade here, and by all the merchants in the place. Bradley showed us a lump weighing a quarter of an ounce, which he had bought of one of the men, and for which he gave him three dollars and a half. I have no doubt in my own mind about its being genuine gold. Several parties, we hear, have already made up a visit to the diggings, and, according to the newspaper here, a number of people have actually started off with shovels, mattocks, and pans to dig the gold themselves. It is not likely, however, that this will be allowed, for Captain Folsom has already written to Colonel Mason about taking possession of the mine on behalf of the government, it being, as he says, on public land. May 13. It is now finally settled that we start off on Wednesday to the Sacramento Valley. Today, under Bradley's direction, I have bought a good horse, for which I paid only $15. It will be very little more expense than hiring a horse of the hotel master here, besides being far more agreeable to have a horse of one's own. For everybody, the commonest workman even, rides in this country. The gold excitement increases daily, as several fresh arrivals from the mines have been reported at San Francisco. The merchants eagerly buy up the gold brought by the miners, and no doubt, in many cases, at prices considerably under its value. I have heard, though, of as much as $16 an ounce having been given in some instances which I should have thought was over rather than under the full value of gold in the United States. I confess I begin to feel seriously affected with the prevailing excitement, and am anxious for Wednesday to arrive. May 17th. This place is now in a perfect furor of excitement. All the work people have struck. Walking through the town today, I observed that laborers were employed only upon about half a dozen of the fifty new buildings which were in course of being run up. The majority of the mechanics at this place are making preparations for moving off to the mines, and several hundred people of all classes, lawyers, storekeepers, merchants, etc., are bitten with the fever. In fact, there is a regular gold mania springing up. I counted no less than eighteen houses which were closed, the owners having left. If Colonel Mason is moving a force to the American Fork, as is reported here, their journey will be in vain. Our trip has been delayed today, for the saddler cannot get our equipments in readiness for at least forty-eight hours. 
he says that directly he has finished the job he shall start off himself to the diggings i have bribed him with promises of greatly increased pay not to disappoint us again as it was we were to pay him a very high price which he demanded on account of three of his men having left him and there being only himself and two workmen to attend to our order i told mr bradley of our misfortune he promised to wait for us but recommended me to keep going in and out of the saddlers all day long in order to make sure that the man was at work otherwise we might be kept hanging about for a fortnight may twentieth it requires a full amount of patience to stay quietly watching the proceedings of an inattentive tradesman amid such a whirlpool of excitement as is now in action sweeting tells me that his negro waiter has demanded and receives ten dollars a day he is forced to submit for helps of all kinds are in great demand and very difficult to meet with several hundred people must have left here during the last few days malcolm and i have our baggage all in readiness to start on monday may twenty second today all our arrangements have been changed the saddler did not keep his promise and while malcolm bradley and myself were venting our indignation against him don luis paulo made his appearance the gold fever had spread to monterey and he had determined to be off to the mines at once he had brought his servant a converted indian named jose with him and extra horses with his baggage he intended to set to work himself at the diggings and meant to take everything he required with him he says the report about colonel mason's moving a force off to the mines to take possession of them is all nonsense that some of the garrison of monterey have already gone there is quite true but they have deserted to dig gold on their own account colonel mason he says knows too well that he has no efficient force for such a purpose and that even if he had he would not be able to keep his men together it appears also that the mines occupy several miles of ground the gold not being confined to one particular spot on hearing this intelligence we at once determined to follow don luis's example and although there seemed to be a certain degree of absurdity in four people all holding some position in society going off on what might turn out to be only a fool's errand still the evidence we had before us of the gold which had actually been found and the example of the multitudes who were daily hastening to the diggings determined us to go with the rest we therefore held a council upon the best method of proceeding at which every one offered his suggestions while we were thus engaged macphail our fellow-passenger from oregon made his appearance having only just returned from sonoma he had heard a great deal about the new gold placer and he had merely come back for his baggage intending to start off for the mines forthwith the result of our deliberations was to this effect each man was to furnish himself with one good horse for his own use 
and a second horse to carry his personal baggage, as well as a portion of the general outfit. We were each to take a rifle, holster pistols, etc. It was agreed, moreover, that a tent should be bought immediately, if such a thing could be procured, as well as some spades and mattocks and a good stout axe, together with a collection of blankets and hides, and a supply of coffee, sugar, whiskey, and brandy, knives, forks, and plates, with pots and kettles, and all the requisite cooking utensils for a camp life. The tent is the great difficulty, and fears are entertained that we shall not be able to procure one, but Bradley thinks he might buy one out of the government stores. I followed the saddler well up during the day, and was fortunate enough to obtain our saddles, saddle-bags, etc., by four o'clock. On going to his house a couple of hours after some trifling alteration I wished made, I found it shut up and deserted. On the door was pasted a paper with the following words, Gone to the Diggings. End of chapter 3